Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley, a podcast about making things up and making things happen. I talk to different creative people and find out how they do what they do and why and what keeps them going. And this week I got to talk to my friend Michael Anthony. He's a good friend of mine. He's also the founder of the Anonymous Initiative, which is a nonprofit organization that helps people deal with whatever it is that bullies them through different types of arts. It's cool what he's created, and it's the fourth anniversary um, of it, pretty close, and so I talked to Michael all about that and the story of what got him into that. It's a really interesting story having to do with a guy that he was into in high school and all kinds of stuff. So we get into that pretty soon, but first I want to do a little housekeeping. Check out DennisAnyone.net. There's um, all the different podcasts are there along with some pictures that may not have uh, been, you know, the picture that I use on the actual uh, podcast label so you can see fun things sometimes and you can also sign up for my newsletter which I'm about to send one out and it's jam-packed and fun-filled so um, if you're listening go sign up for that and you'll get the next one um, and you can also leave a virtual tip in my virtual tip jar it helps me keep the podcast free and pay for things like web hosting and uh, memory and stuff like that so that's it um, oh, you can like us on I, on Facebook. That's really cool. And if you ever feel like writing a review on iTunes, that's awesome, too. All that stuff helps grow the podcast, helps me keep it going, and um, helps me remember there's folks out there, which is awesome. So, all right. Thanks for checking this out, and enjoy Michael Anthony. All right. I am here in the North Hollywood Casa of my dear friend Michael Anthony. He's the founder of the Anonymous Initiative. It's a nonprofit organization that does lots of cool stuff. And I'm so happy to be here hanging with you in NoHo. This is awesome. You have the cutest dog, Dakota, on your lap. Yeah, so if he starts barking. It's okay. <laughs> it's so cute. So, the Anonymous Initiative, four years it's been since you started this thing. Yeah, it was four years in March. And what's, what, I kind of know what you do, because I've checked it out and I've been involved in things, but what's the mission of it? What's the, what's it about? Well, it's interesting because when I say it's an anti-bullying campaign, people immediately think of high schools and kids, and right. it's, it's that too. Because bullying became, it was really like in the news a lot, you know, there for a while, around the time, I think that this, there was always, there was like that anti-bullying. Yeah, we call it the zeitgeist. The zeitgeist, where it all sort of became like people kind of admitted to what was going on. Yeah, and it, but it kind of centered around schools and right. kids. Right, And this program, it's actually for all people. And it's, it's so interesting because when I go places and talk about it, you'll see all these educators and adults in the audience. Right. And then when I'm like, no, actually we're talking about you, right. they become horrified. Oh, they're like, oh, I just thought I was here to chaperone. Correct. I just thought I was chaperoning the prom. And we do this... It's really interesting because what happens is we allow people to write anonymous letters and right. basically answer the question, what is it that bullies you? Meaning it could be from outside, it could be from inside, it could be whatever, right? Wh whatever. And some people, they write one word. Others, I think I got one that was about 18 pages. Wow. And uh, some people do drawings. But basically, it's this process of what we call externalization and giving voice. Like you're actually, some things you maybe never said, you're right. giving voice on the paper and you're taking it out of yourself. Right. And then... Well, I know from my recent experience yeah. in rehab, which I talked about on this podcast, oh. they do, you do a lot of writing exercises, things where you write things. And there's, I, there is something about writing something down with your hands. Yeah. Right? Don't you find in terms of the anonymous letters and stuff that you've... 
and that you've gotten? There's actually research that it unites two sides of your brain. Which oh, actually how interesting. gets you like looking at things differently. Um, and I also tell people, we have this syndrome, I call it, called uh, feelings and flashes. Like, you never think about your problems rationally right. or linearly. Like, let's say you're breaking up with a guy. You remember when he said something horrible or slammed the front door. But you right. don't really think about it until you tell someone the story or write the story down. You don't think about it linearly. Like, beat by beat. And once you start doing that and making, I call it making sense out of the senseless. Okay. Once you start doing that, you're like, oh my god, I actually think I see this story differently right but so people write their letters anonymously they send them in and then what we do is we actually distribute them to painters musicians actors and they bring these letters to life that's so interesting it's so amazing and the thing i love about it is it's not about making it beautiful or making it perfect you know because some of these people they've been billboard charting artists other people have never recorded or painted anything in their life right but it's just about the fact of knowing that someone has sat with your story and actually translated it through their own thoughts, feelings, and actions. So there's an artistic element to what you do yeah. with the with the um, anonymous initiative. Yeah, it's kind of like a translation through art. And what I love is then we actually sell the paintings and stuff, um, and all the money we donate back to anti-bullying charities. That's awesome. So it's kind of like this cycle, you know what I mean? Right. So I figured I've known you for about... Eight, nine years now? Yeah, it's... We went on a press trip together to Anaheim. You were writing about it for Frontiers, and I was covering it for probably uh, OutTraveler.com, one of those things. You always had to have a computer every night. Did I? I Okay. I'm so cutting edge. (laughs) Anyway, but I remember we were going on the trip... And there wasn't a lot of journalists, but I remember... You and I were the only two at that hotel. I just remember liking you from the first day because of the way you engaged with the guides. Like, you were interested in what they were saying. Because sometimes you go on press trips where there's a bunch of journalists. There's different types of people. There's sometimes cool people that I'm friends with to this day. And then there's sometimes there's dicks. And I just remember... I'm like, I like what you're about. I remember thinking that in that first van ride. We were going down to Newport Beach to paddleboard or something fun. And I remember thinking the exact opposite. I thought you hated me. Really? Because you kept going off by yourself to take pictures and stuff. Is that what I... Oh, yeah. yeah when we went to Newport Beach, you were, um, I gotta get some photos. And then would disappear. Then it would disappear? <laughs> and it was only me and you. So I was like, oh, he does not want to be with me. <laughs> I probably had... I had my beat. I had to earn my $50 blog, whatever it was. 50 You were lucky. <laughs> if that. I know. Crazy. But that's how we met. Um, and I, and then we worked on a show together called the Village Variety Pack at the uh-huh. Gay and Lesbian Center. That was, wasn't that incredible? That was pretty neat. I have a lot of fond memories of that show. Yeah, that was, um, It was like a variety show that we co-hosted. And it was, first it was every two weeks, then it was every month. Yeah. <laughs> then it was every three months. Yeah. And then it was canceled. I learned recently that two of the cute guys that performed in one of our shows hooked up as a result of the Village Variety Pack. Are you surprised? I'm jealous. I know. Me too. I didn't get anything out of that. <laughs> I uh, no, I did. Do you know I didn't get that. 
I don't know if you ever see it, but so many people that have like been because we probably had hundreds of people come through that show and you do know? the show and do yeah different four minute yeah and just to see people now like on TV or like yeah. you're like oh god they were in our they show. did our little little show on the in the little room and but it was fun it you used to call it the dog and pony show did I call it the dog and pony show <laughs> oh my god but that was fun my favorite thing that we did though was the branding the variety pack we did it like little cereal boxes oh that was so amazing. we had yeah Willem. We used to come and do Willem Belli used to come and do the calendar. Yeah, just, he would just just like Jessica Simpson. He would do the calendar set, whatever was happening in town for like forty people. He would do full drag and come and do that. We had uh, Jennifer Lewis. Yes, and she told like a thirty-minute story about yeah. Meryl Streep. Yes, about, and Don't Leslie remember Jordan. It, but I'm sure it happened. Yes, the house down. That was incredible. Yeah, those were good times. But I remember also around that same time. Going to lunch with you, you were working at the TV Guy channel, mm-hmm. and we went to this that sushi teriyaki place on Hollywood Boulevard, and you yes. said you wanted to start this project. I'm going to start this project. Yeah. And you, you were fired up, and I think it was the beginning of what would become the Anonymous Initiative, right? Correct. Do you remember that lunch? Oh, oh completely. I, I used to love that place. Oh, yeah. Best orange chicken. Okay. Um, I was working on this thing called the It Gets Better campaign. Right. I'm sure most people know about Dan right. Savage, yeah, yeah. you know. That, that happened before, okay, okay, yeah. yeah. Yes, it was right before It Gets Better, right, right, right. I actually made one of the videos, and I did, like, a musical cartoon that right. had, like, Reba McIntyre, against her will, um, in it. That's and right, you made your little It Gets Better cartoon to tell your story, and it had, had to do with uh, your obsession with Reba McIntyre and you... As a kid. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, like, you having a crush on this guy and... And, and it not going well. Right. Not and you, told, you gave him a mixtape. Of me... Not only a mixtape, a mixtape of me singing karaoke to Reba McIntyre. What Reba songs would you sing? Oh, God. It was this one CD from the... 80s, right? You know, and it was not good, <laughs> right? It, w- it was ho- horrible. I don't know what I expected from him, but how old would you have been? Uh, that this was uh, the very beginning of eighth grade, right? So I wasn't a child. And what I... do you call the guy in the video? You gave Darren. him a name, Darren. Yeah. Okay. Um. Well, this one, you know, just went super, super popular. So you posted it, yeah. yeah. Like I think there were like a few hundred thousand hits, and right? Like you know, um. I ended up getting this letter from a kid who lives in my hometown. Which is... Wheeling, ish. Illinois. Okay, it's Chicago. about... Yeah, about 30 miles outside. Okay. And basically, he was just talking about how hard it still is there. Right. You know? And I, I thought, that's kind of shocking because it's been 15 years. Like, And it was hard for me, but not horribly hard. And by hard, I mean like being gay. Right. I was totally out of the closet, one of the only ones. And so we decided to go back and kind of explore, because I was a journalist at the right. time, um, or a pseudo-journalist. You were totally a, a journalist. <laughs> and we decided to explore, does it get better in the Midwest? Right. And we brought, like, a film crew with us, like, and we had this one kid's letter. I didn't, uh, Billy, but I didn't fully know who it was. Right. And uh, this film crew and these artists, it was so interesting. I actually called the drama club from my high school so, you know people not now the people i was in drama with and right. we, actually they came together to help me uh 
investigate. And that's how this art got involved, you know? Right. Um, and what happened was as we went home, people didn't want to talk on camera about bullying. Because, you know, you and me, we love this stuff. We'll, right. We'll talk anywhere <laughs> right. to anyone that will listen. But... They wanted to participate but not be on camera. So they started writing these letters about their own bullying experience. And um, NBC thought it was so awesome. They brought me on the morning news. You know, one little town coming together, telling your stories through letters. And then it just exploded. You know, being on NBC, then being on, you know, the internet. So you would start getting letters, just random letters, all the time? Uh, Oh, from uh, from all over. Like, how many letters do you think you got? Um... In one month, I got 2,200. Wow. One month. And uh, since then, four and a half years, uh, well over 12,000. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Are they all answering the same question? What is it that bullies you? Yeah. Yeah. And um, occasionally, I'll receive letters of people having read someone's letter and wanting to respond to it. I see. Which is super touching, isn't it? Yeah, they're like, I want to tell so-and-so that da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. Now, do you post the letters on the website, or... We post them on the website. It's IamAnonymous.org. Okay. Do you like that plug? I do. Um, you got to get it in there, man. But then also, we actually have turned them into books. Right. And I know you... How many books have you had by now? One is out. Okay. One has been finished for some time. Right. Um, but we haven't... Re- released it yet. You haven't pulled the trigger. Okay. Yeah, I think we're going to do a big event with it. Right. And the third one is in production. We kind of want to have the three-peat. Yeah, you know, that's The nice. triad. So, um, it's it's called the Anthology of Anonymous. And is it on Amazon and stuff like that? Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, it's everywhere. Yeah. It, I walked actually into Barnes & Noble once and saw it there. That's amazing. I took a picture with it. I also did walk to a discount bookstore and it right. was there for $1. And I was yeah. like, oh. I buy my books for a penny on Amazon.com now. I love it. Yeah. They get you on the shipping. Yeah. You know what? I'm on Amazon Prime right now. I better stock up. Yeah. I Oh, but you know what? Never mind. Because I, I always buy them through the... Through the, not the Amazon, but like the retailers that yeah. sell through Amazon and you can't get the free shipping through them. And I'm working out a lot of things here on the podcast. So I also, I need to tell the listeners, um, I read your book as a child. <laughs> I still tell you this. Uh, that might, that, I, as a child, the word child, you could have said when I was younger, when I was growing up. Oh no, we're talking like third grade. Like, and you know that cover? My yes. mother was like. What are you reading? You were like in third grade reading this Submission. Third grade. I was sitting in the lobby of the Buena Vista Palace in Orlando on vacation. I read the whole book. Loved it. And um, that's why when I met you, I was like, you're the Dennis Yeah, I, that's right. <laughs> capital T, capital H, capital E. Did you get it when you were that? Yeah, Completely. you were hip. Show busy. It's not that deep. Let's face it. I, I just... God, I haven't read it in years, so tell yeah. me if I'm getting this totally wrong. But something about plastic surgery and being on a plane. Um, I'm sure there's a plane in it. There yeah. is some plastic and surgery. And someone just had plastic surgery. and I, 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 Well, somebody, yeah. It was based on a friend of mine that had gotten liposuction. And when I picked him up from lipo, he was super emotional. He's like, I love you. I lo-, you know, that he was still drugged up and he was just saying like, Really, like, you know, really, uh, like, the floodgates of the emotions were open. And what was it? That's so Tandy? That's so Dandy. Dan- That's just Dandy, the name of the show. Good memory. Oh, God. From third grade. I love it. Third grade. Yeah. But then you, you, once you went back there, there was a story also that you talked about 
from your own past and and having to do with the um, the video that you made. Yeah, with Darren. Um, the video I made was kind of cute, kind of funny. This is the Reba McIntyre video we talked and, about, and it's earlier. still probably on YouTube, right? Yeah, oh yeah. It's, okay, it's somewhere. I'll link to it in um, the on the DennisAnyone.net nice. page. Yeah. Um, but that friend actually years later had uh, we didn't talk. So you, know. you 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 proclaimed that you liked him. You gave him a mixtape. You laid it all on the table. He shunned you. Of course, yes. In a public way, was he like "fuck off, dude," or was he just like he just he just gave you the silent treatment? Basically, gave me a message through his friends, like oh. "dude, not cool," not you know, cool. which oh, went, so... spread like wildfire. Um, we never talked again, and then about. Um, Two years after high school, he called me out of the blue. I didn't call him back, and then nine days later, he killed himself. Wow. So that's why when I got this letter from this other kid, I thought, what a great... I don't know. I don't know what word to use. Not redemption, but just some sort of great opportunity to go back and kind of like retrace some steps from my past. Right. Seeing if I could somehow... Could somehow help. Yeah. Because you didn't, you didn't call um, Darren right. back. Because didn't you, though, see him before graduation? I did. It was interesting because high school graduation, I did see him. We saw each other. We were the only two people on the football field for some reason. And that night I went home and wrote him a letter, an anonymous. Well, it wasn't anonymous, but a letter. And I basically said, if you ever need someone to talk to, call me. He did call me two years later, but I chose not to call him back. And then, you know, unfortunateness happened. Wow. Why do you think you didn't call him back? Um, because I was in college. I actually came out to LA at that point. University of Southern California, theater major. I discovered alcohol for the first time. Like, I was just having the You were living the dream. Yeah, and I just was like, why would I want to reconnect with my hometown, you know? Yeah. And, um... So you you go, you go back there. You're gonna you're gonna start this. You start this sort of letter writing thing. You're shooting things. You're filming things. You're having shows. Yeah. What surprised you about the whole about going back to your town? What surprised me was the fact that some of the schools, some of the churches, wanted nothing to do with this program. Right. Just because I'm. A gay identified man. Wow. You know? Um, but then some of the people involved in these churches and these schools would individually come and participate in the activities. Right. So it's just, it was a reinforcement to me that, like, we have institutionalized homophobia and discrimination, but then on an individual basis, I was really touched by how, like, accepting some people well, were. that's how I feel about the Mormon church. Like, yeah. I, you know, the people that I know from it are not, don't think I'm going to hell or whatever, or don't, you know, but the institution is a different story, for sure. And, you know, I think for me, experiencing that was kind of eye-opening, you know? Yeah. So, but I, I remember when you were doing this and you were, you took cameras and you were doing, every time I talked to you, you were like, oh, we're doing a live show. Oh, we're, now it's an art thing. We're going to make a CD. Like it just kept becoming more and more. Right. Yeah. I, um, I have a way of doing that. <laughs> yeah. I surround myself with amazing people like you and I just have these ideas and it's so amazing. I mean, I'm sure 
groups, I actually, some of the people that have been involved have been on your podcast, you know right. what I mean? It's just so incredible to see how these things connect. And when you're surrounded by such great people, I mean, you do a million projects. How can you not reach out and start creating things, you know? So, like, um, like you were saying, like, some of the songs we had written actually were released on CDs. We actually have two CDs out. Um, they charted on iTunes. Some I remember s- it because I'm on one, one of my songs from my old CD is on there. And you, I remember being in New York and you texted me and you're like, you're on, it's on iTunes or whatever. Top 200. I was um, on the top 200 of iTunes? Yeah. Just me individually or the CD? You individually. My song was um, a top 200 on iTunes. Yeah, you actually are on both CDs. Am I? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> I remember, okay, I, I don't think I've seen the second CD, but that's exciting. Yeah, and the second CD, um, so basically each one has 18 songs. Some are originals, like we've handed an artist a letter. Right. And, and actually said like, hey, make an original song. Um, others are re-releases, like acoustic versions of an artist's right. favorite song. Some are um, just re-releases, like right. yours. Right. Um, and like some of your listeners might know, like um, Chris Dahlman. Love Chris Dahlman. Uh, Matt, Matt Zarley. Love Matt Zarley. He's been on the podcast. Yeah. Mona Chatterjee. She's a logo recording artist. Some some really great people. And um, What are the CDs called? Uh, they're called... What are they called? Anonymous. Oh, so playing okay. kind of like anonymous. Okay. Um, songs about self resilience. Uh, no. Songs about resilient self bullying and inner resilience. There you go. And those they're on iTunes and they're I, available. They're everywhere. Oh, there's right. there's hard copies. They um, Amoeba did a cool thing. They sold them at the checkout line for That's us. That's cool. Yeah, for a day. So I, That's nice. It's just cool. I actually have on the first C D. <laughs> I'm surprised. Like, I'm. That's cool of Amoeba. Yeah. They feel like they have a million rules about shit, and they would be like, "No, we don't do that." And yeah. They totally did it. Well, you know me. I have a way of walking into you places. Persuade <laughs> them? Did you? You wear them down? I did. No, actually, um, on the first CD, I have. Um, I do. I'm tone deaf, but I love to sing. And I did a remake of Miley Cyrus's "Can't Be Tamed." Well, because it's you, seven notes, yes. you know, and. Um, our inner bullies can't be tamed. <laughs> they can't be. They cannot be tamed, and I'm going to sing some Miley. And it actually charted on Billboard. There you go. Number 192. You, so. 192. Bam. So always I tell people, um, when I sing and they tell me to shut up, I'm just like, it's not every day a Billboard artist is serenading. That's <laughs> right. So calm the fuck down. Exactly. Um, I also remember you telling me, and I saw some footage of... Um, your your friend from high school, but there was there was a bullying situation in high school, and then you reconnect. Yeah, the girl that bullied me in high school, who I hated. I mean, she was a horrible human being to me <laughs> in high school, and um, she ended up writing me a letter anonymously, totally anonymously, and I chose it to star kind of like be the backbone for one of the shows we did because we actually take these letters and by shows what you were saying was artists actors perform them in places wow, okay. and give them so the letters are the basis of everything that comes correct, out of it okay correct. got you and then we take like the music and the letters and the art and we create kind of like uh Someone called it once. Um, a reviewer came and they called it. <laughs> I still laugh. 
it was the vagina monologues without the vaginas. Okay. (laughs) Just the monologues, okay. Kind of, yeah, and some music and stuff. But But personal and and everyone's different point of view. I get that. Yeah. Okay. And we, um, we, I selected this letter totally anonymously to be the backbone of one of our shows, and it ended up being the letter from my high school bully. How did you find that out? She contacted me once she started seeing things online because all these kids from my former high school were getting involved. You so know? the show hadn't happened yet? Correct. Okay, so she got wind that her letter was going to be part of the show. And kind of reached out to me. And, and you were like, like, hey, hold on a second. You were that girl that... Yeah, it was horrible to me. And we ended up uh, going to her house. She lives three hours away now from our hometown me and her reconnected. We talked it out. A lot of stuff happens. It's all in the movie. That's going to come out one day about okay. it. But um, but I remember her not remembering that she'd done anything like that to you. No, because she was going through her own stuff. And right. Isn't that the way it is? Yeah. Sometimes we can be horrible to someone and not even know it because it's really just a projection slash reflection of what we're going through, yeah. you know? You and never know. I mean, it's such a cliche, but this has become more true for me this year than any year. You never know what people are dealing with no. in their lives. You know, when they're standing in front of you at Starbucks, you never know what's really going on with them, if they're doing okay, if their life's falling apart, you know, whatever. So don't be assholes is the point. Yeah, and don't, don't make assumptions because it does make an asshole they see. Out of you and me. Exactly. Um, but, but me and her ended up reconnecting, and we are... It sounds so shocking, but we're kind of best friends now. That's wild. And she's still back in, in yeah, the Midwest. but we talk all the time. We've gone on yeah. a few vacations together. Like, she comes to visit with her yeah. son. So, um, beautiful story. You know, what a, what a gift. What a gift. Yeah, that you reconnected with her. Yeah. I love that. And, and when you set off to go there, you didn't know all this stuff was going to come out of it, right? You just kept following the next thing and creating stuff. Yeah, and just... Trying, I mean, first of all, I have an amazing family. Like, right. my parents, you know, these Midwest, salt-of-the-earth people, I come home with a film crew, with reporters. I think they had for, like, over six weeks, like, 20 people staying in their house, you know? Oh, my gosh. Um, and literally, people would write these letters and show up at my house to Where would they mail off. the letters to? Your uh, house? They were dropping them off. Okay. Uh, eventually, yeah, we did yeah. get a P.O. box they can start sending things to. But my parents were troopers, like, and kind of behind it. How long were you there altogether? Um, for the first time we went yeah. back? Uh, six weeks. Wow. Which, so I'm going to do this six-week thing. The, yeah. I'm going to shoot stuff. I'm going to put on shows. I'm going to... Well, actually, we only plan on going back for yeah. about two weeks. Right. But it just kind of turned into this um, longer, longer I remember process. you interviewed a priest, right? We did. We did. Tell me about that. Um, a lot of people in the Roman Catholic Church have been... Uh, not warmly welcome for their LGBTQ-ness. Right. And um, we actually got to interview one of the heads of, I I forget the title, but the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Chicago actually has like a gay group. Right. So the priest that heads that. And um, it was just an interesting and emotional interview to... Because you literally said, you don't accept me. 
Yeah. He kind of said it to his face, right? Yeah, and he, and he responded with, we're all broken in our own ways. And just that word broken, you know? like I was like, wow, ouch. Yeah, we, me and him had a long conversation about the word broken, and he was kind of alluding more to the sadness of being rejected. Right. But I was taking it more as my gayness. Yeah. Because isn't that the truth? Right. You know? Um, so that, we're all bro- that we're all damage or we all have our stuff and but i would strongly hold true being gay does not innately Na- yeah. make us damaged right yeah. there's no brokenness to it intrinsically yeah so i think going home was this beautiful journey of self-discovery for me personally right what a gift but then it kind of set off this larger program that i now run you know that's still there or that's you're talking about the anonymous initiative the anonymous initiative right. and now i'm lucky because i get to actually travel the country and bring similar programs we did one at an addiction center in reno holy one, shit that feels like the, the hotbed of addiction centers it, reno yeah reno it was intense. what was that like so you go there and what happens uh we do kind of like a letter writing Thing. Right. Um, because here's the thing that makes, I think, makes a difference that what we do. The letters are always anonymous. Right. Like, in a group. You write your story, like, and, like, cere- there's kind of, like, a ceremony we do. And the letters get shuffled up, and you actually take on someone else's story. So you read somebody else's. Correct. Right. And you actually translate it. There's, like, a whole art thing we do and everything. So if, let's say you and I are in a group. Right. We would maybe, uh, we would end up through the process. I would get your story, you would get my story. We wouldn't know we have each other's story, right. but I would be holding Dennis's story. Right. And so instead of me spending all this time processing, we call it, our own stuff, we're processing someone else's stuff, and you're actually witnessing me process oh, that's your interesting. stuff. Okay. And ultimately, we're sharing the pain. When we actually release it into the world, we're all sharing that pain. And it's just not cognitively possible to hold on to all that crap when you have shared it amongst so many people. So you leave feeling lighter. You leave feeling unburdened. Yeah. That. And also... Less alone. I would and Completely. And I would also add empowered to that because you actually have been able to hold someone else's story. Right. Like, you have a purpose. You have a strength. You have held someone else as you have been held. That's interesting. So it's not just a healing process, but kind of a teaching and empowering process. So because of the, the anonymous um, initiative and the books and things like that, you've gotten to go out and sort of lecture and talk and do diff- different things in different places. Completely. Where's the most random place you ended up? The most random place? Oh, God. <laughs> a garage under the 101. <laughs> the 101 Expressway. You did, a, 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 you did an event under a, a freeway? Well, it was supposedly a theater. Okay. But it was a garage that had a few lights hanging up. And would you hear the cars going over? Oh, completely. All right. The lights would shake a little. I and you still, but you still made your magic. You yeah. still, people still got their money's worth. You know what? I sometimes are not projectors, not DVD players. I did one actually in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, at a bookstore. Six people showed up. Oh, but I've been on book tours and had like two people show up. Three people though were. <laughs> In the wrong place. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you take what you can get. You know what? And you just... You never know 
when there's one person that needs to hear what someone is saying. Right. I had at one, um, this girl stand up after we give this whole workshop. Um, cause sometimes I also do it as an educational workshop you right. know, where it's not interactive. It's a lecture. If right. You, will. you talk about your experience with it and stuff like that. And okay. kind of give like clinical, here's what you can do in your own community. Right. Um, this girl stands up at the end when I take questions and she goes, what if, what do you do if everyone in your high school hates you? And it's this like 13 year old girl, like a freshman. Right. And I didn't know what to say, but this guy in the front row turns around and says to her, oh, honey, I was hated in high school and blah, 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 and kind of gives her advice. Right. And then this older woman who's like in her 60s turns to him and starts giving him advice. And we ended up turning all the chairs in a circle. Right. You know, yeah, let's just, well, you know what, how, let's make this a circle. Yeah, I'm not an expert. <laughs> and so you just never know. When, when, someone... you, when people open up, when people open up, it's a powerful thing. Yeah. When people finally let, you know, let people in. And because we keep it anonymous, yeah. I would say we get stories that are even more... Was there one that made you laugh? Oh. A million? The one that comes to mind right away <laughs> is this woman writing a letter about her son who um, has recently come out of the closet and... and and apparently, he's been living in her basement, has never had a job. Right. You know, he's like 19, refuses to leave. Right. And it's just this rant, because every time she says, get a job, get out of my house. Right. He's like, it's because I'm gay. And she's like, no, it's because you're 19 and have lived right. in my basement and never had a job. He's using it. And so, it's just, reading them, some are so funny and some are so heartbreaking. But, yeah, that one stands out just because it's like... Get a job, dude. <laughs> well, so, I, I remember some of them in the book being really powerful and like simple, just dark. Two or three sentences. Yeah. You know? What are some of those that you remember? Um, one. Oh God, one in the second book. It's um. Let's see if I can remember it. It's my husband was killed. Dot dot dot. By a drunk driver, dot, 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 on the way to our wedding reception. And then the next line goes, I forget, um, it's funny how I forgive the driver and yet hate myself. Strange. Fuck a duck. I know. And just getting that, it's like, oh my God. Wow. You know? I know. And like, I hate my husband's touch. Um... Sex with him makes me want to die. Um, I hate everything about him, but I love his money. Shit. <laughs> Smiley That's face. honesty. Smiley face. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, some of them literally three sentences that just... When you And you still get letters now, right? Correct. When you get one, you go to the mailbox, there it is. Mm -hmm. What do you feel like, wow, what's going to be in here? How does that make you feel about what you've created and what you're about to be... Experience? But yeah. Be witness um, to. Yeah, it's so weird. I used to always look at the return address right. to see, like, where did it come from? Ooh, Beverly Hills. But um, I don't anymore. I actually don't let myself look at it right. at all. Instead, what I do is kind of, like, hold the envelope and, like, think about, like... Because a lot of them are in manila envelopes, but some of them have designs on them or what have you. So I just kind of, like, hold the envelope and, like, think about, like, what... I don't think so much about the story 
as much as what made this person sit down right. write this and send get it. a letter get a stamp because we let people pdf and email them in right um but we would so much rather have someone um instead of typing it up and emailing yes, it in, old school do you know because just that process of what drives someone to need to do that yeah you know um, so that's what I think about. How know. has reading all those letters and getting all those letters changed you? God, that's... Well, I mean, I left entertainment. Right. You know? And I went and got my master's in clinical psychology. So I'm now working as a therapist at three clinics in Los Angeles. Fan-fucking-tastic. It's and so good. Completely. And I mean, and you so, think it's because of the the world that you got into with this project? that, that you, Where you thought, you know what, I want to study this. Yeah. I, um, I was thinking a lot about this. And there is not a moment. I mean, I've been through shit. You know, we all right. have. Come on. But there's not a moment in life where I've ever felt alone. Like, I felt down, I felt crazy, I've, you know, felt at my wits' ends, but I've never felt alone. Right. And to look at the world and see so many people feel so alone. Yeah. So many people, and they are alone. It's not that I feel alone. Right. It's shocking to know that there are people, for me it was shocking, to know that there are people who are alone. Yeah. And I just thought, my God, I... I've been blessed with a fairly open heart right. and open mind and let me help people, even if only for an afternoon or even a 50 minute therapy session, right. let me hopefully help them not be alone. When you do therapy sessions, does it kick your ass emotionally at the end of the day or do you, how do you manage that? Um, it ranges. Some right. things make me come to life and wake up the inner artist and um, change everything. Others, I feel like some of the deepest, best parts of me have been borrowed. Not taken, not eaten up by borrowed. someone. But borrowed, you know? Wow. Maybe they need that for the week. Right. Um, I have currently nine clients on Fridays. So you see nine clients, nine hours of therapy that you 50 minute sessions. Wow. Um, and my Fridays are gone. You know, right. they're a wreck. You're I not, come home. Afterwards, you're not going to oil can Harry's and going two-stepping. I know. My partner wanted to go last <laughs> yeah. night and I said, honey, I cannot. Like, I need to come home, watch True Detective, realize my life's not that bad. Right. <laughs> and go to bed. Wow. And that's exactly what I did last night. What are the moments you feel most proud when you're doing therapy like that? Do, do you feel, do you sometimes see people have breakthroughs or grow or what, what's fulfilling about it? Huh. <sighs> That is so hard because I consider myself kind of like a collaborative therapist. Right. And what I love, actually, it's this is going to sound weird. What I love is when I am listening to someone. Right. And I say, what I'm hearing you say is X, Y, Z. Right. And they tell me, actually, no, that's not what I'm saying. Right. And they kind of put it another way that then makes sense. Right. Because it shows such like self-care and self-efficacy and like connection like what is it like to be able to correct someone you right. know how many people there are so many people that tell me oh i'm afraid of my therapist or i don't right. like them but i could never leave right and i become so proud when people it's like 
they can correct me. They right. can engage me. And it's like, to me, that's real growth. You right. Know? Like those aha moments. Maybe it makes me a bad therapist. People don't have them in my presence quite often. Right. But they'll have them out in the world, you know? And you'll hear about it. Yeah. That's and, cool. Um, that's, so that's what makes me proud, you know? Um, do you miss being in the entertainment business at all? Because you were working at the TV Guide channel, I remember. I also remember there was one day some celebrity was there and you called me because you knew I would want to meet this person. And I went over there and I feel like we were in an elevator with this person. I don't remember who it was. I don't... I remember this. We were I want to say room. it might have been Kat Dealey. Yes. Okay. It to- yes, totally was from I, I, yes. Nance. Okay. We sat in the green room. Yes. And I made up this story. Because you were on a few of our specials. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, like, yeah. You were an expert writer, right. which you are, sure. on the special. And we sat there. And- so you lied to get me a, a moment with Kat Dealey. Yeah, and I think you stole a protein bar. I may have. <laughs> I may have stole a protein bar that was... Or a protein bar wrapper, maybe, even. Yeah, maybe, but... But I remember riding in an elevator with her or whatever, and her getting into her car, and she yeah. was nice. That, I mean, literally... Then she was on Fashion Police later, so we're much closer now than ever. <laughs> um, that was yeah, a great it job. It was Kat Dealey. Did you like that job? It was... What did you do at the TV Guide channel? I was... I went from a production assistant... Right. ...to a junior talent booker, um, which basically... It it was such an interesting job. It started as it was my first temp job out of right. college. Wow! We just walked into it. Okay. And we had a studio. It's actually in was in the Hollywood and Highland complex. Right. And I was just stationed in the studio. I'd get to work with all the celebrities that came in. I people would joke I was the coffee boy. Like okay. literally, that exists in Hollywood. Sure, the guy of that goes it does. and gets the coffee. But um, and you go to, you go to Starbucks. You don't just go to there's not, like, a coffee thing there. Correct. It was downstairs. Yeah, you have to go there. But um, Melissa and Joan Rivers, they were there. Right on. For three years when I was there. I, I okay. mean, I worked with... Um, who's your favorite? Who's my favorite? Oh, God. That's... People always ask me who <laughs> who were my least favorites. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm giving you a slip. I'm letting you flip that around. Um, and I love it. Do you know what? Ryan Quantin... Super hot, blonde from True Blood. Right. He was like... You know how you joke, like, who my number one is? Right. Like, I can have an affair with? Right. Him. He comes in. So freaking sweet. He actually doesn't let me go to Starbucks for him. He comes with me. Right. We're talking. He has that accent. And as he left, he kissed me on the cheek. Totally not gay. I think it's like, you know, right. an Australian thing. But... Um, and then I saw him on the Emmy red carpet two weeks later, and he remembered... My name. Why? Wow. So I was like, we're obviously getting married. So, um. Did you ever see any craziness when you're doing like red carpetness? Oh, I can't even tell you. So much craziness. What can you tell us? You don't have to name names. Well, I, I could tell you one because she relished in it, but a Joan story. She, um, she was interviewing J-Lo and Mark Anthony. Right. And, um, I was. I was running that stage as far as talent goes. And live on the air, she says to J-Lo, do you think you're going to make this one stick? (laughs) Mark Anthony turns around, grabs my shoulder, this is on camera, and just goes, never again. Wow. (laughs) Basically, it's his way of telling me never 
Come, yeah. Michael Anthony, yeah. never come up to Mark Anthony yeah. and say, come do this thing. Yeah. Because um, Joan was right. Yeah. Didn't stick. But, um, Didn't stick. That's just one of many. Yeah. You know? That's so fun. Great story. I remember when you started going back to school, mm-hmm. you'd been in it for like a semester, and I came over to visit you, and I was hearing about it, and you were describing what it was like to be in that world, and also you were doing extracurricular like things within that world mm-hmm. and like jobs and stuff like that. And you said to me, it's so different from entertainment because if it, if you're good at it, they let you do it completely. And I like, I a chill shot through my body when you said that. And I was like, wow, what's, has that been your experience since then? Yeah. That like, if you go through the program and you do the work, there are opportunities for you. Like when someone takes a meeting with you yeah. in like, real people world yeah. that's what i call it but like in mental health or like uh private practice when someone wants to meet with you nine times out of ten it's because i want to work with you yeah it's not this let's go to coffee and really i'm going to talk about your script but figure out what you can do for me and then i'll never call you again it's you know it's like oh my god we're meeting to discuss a project it's happening you know right and it's just weird because i worked in entertainment like you know we're talking entertainment news uh reality tv there's no guarantees right there's no guarantees in life but a few more guarantees when you have a master's degree and are working in the non-entertainment field right which may be my path i'm seriously thinking about it i don't know you would not be the first person who left entertainment and went to antioch university there you go i may just have to be like okay let me do you have your notebooks can i steal your notes Uh, they're right there on the floor actually you can have a bunch of them all right um, what was it like being back in school? Did you like taking notes and, like, highlighting and, like, studying and stuff? It's interesting when... It's different when you go back as a... as a Adult. Yes. Yeah. When you're not just trying to get through college, right? Yeah. I, I actually loved it. One thing that was interesting, I brought you to my laptop and was, for the first few weeks, typing notes. Yeah. All the I'm kids old, do it. Uh, they do, and I'm old school. Like, yeah. I need that notebook. Right. I, there's something, again, like the Anonymous Initiative, yeah. there is something about having it go through your body on paper. Right. And, because I still actually, um, I know I'm still a green therapist because when I'm working with someone, right. I'll see the textbook in my head. Like, I'll do something, I'll say something. Right. The textbook said that. So it's yeah. not fully a language I know yet. Right. But um, I loved it. And the fact that I've been out for three-ish months, I still feel now with... I still feel a little lost without that student label. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Being the student... Being a do you student. Use the, do you get a student discount places? Do you use that? I still do. Who's, who has the best student discounts? Oh, God. Well... Movie theaters? Movie theaters, you okay. take it. Um... The funny thing is, though, I'm also a member of AARP. Right. Because my partner's a retiree. Okay, perfect. So that discount, that, you that, know. That beats all of them. Yeah, go to Denny's. Right. I need my coffee. I love it. Okay, before we started, you picked some questions from the observation deck, Michael Anthony. So, all right, here we go. What's the worst job you ever had? The worst job? Oh, my God. My first job, it was actually at a water park. Oh, how fun. In the Midwest. No. Like that movie uh, that was out a couple years ago with Steve Carell. I couldn't even see it. Okay. Uh, they, I would <laughs> sit, really? They would sit me by the hot tub. And this is where, like, you know, the teenagers would go to have sex. Right. I had a stick. 
and I had to poke the kids with the stick when they were starting to get a little too hot and heavy. Wow. I'm and this this is when that Tiger Lily album was out by Natalie Merchant. Right. And they would just play it on repeat. Right. Can't even hear her voice. It reminds you of being... What was the name of the water park? Uh, the Wheeling. Uh, the Wheeling, Illinois yeah. water park. So this park. was your summer job. Summer job. And your job was to sit by the hot tub and poke the kids if they started to fool around. Correct. How old were you? Oh, God. I must have been... It was in high school. Must have right. been... 14, 15, fat little kid. I with was a stick. fat little kid with a stick. What was your stick like? Plastic or like a wooden stick? It was like one of those like long wooden sticks. Yeah. Like, and it looked like it had been used for something. Like this. And then you would say, poke, 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 <laughs> stop doing that? Yeah. Would it work? Um, people would get angry. Yes. Yeah. That's, that is a horrible job. The prodder. <laughs> that's crazy. The water bo- A water park prodder. The boner killer. The boner killer. Man. All right, any award show stories, question mark? Oh, God, I have a million, but this this one's actually heartwarming. Um, after... The, we, don't, we don't have no time for that. No, it's so, really We're fresh out of time. <laughs> it's Laura Linney. Okay, oh, that. all right, we always have time for Linney. Um, she, um, she had won, I think it was for the Big C, I think, okay. for the Emmys. And um, we're backstage, and we had these Fabergé candle holders as, like, gifts. The and, TV Guy channel. Yeah. Wow, she, okay. She's, she's busy. She's got stuff. And, like, yeah. I go to give it to her, and she just looks at me, and she goes, is there someone you love in your life? And I was like, yes. And she goes, could you give that to him? And I was like, yes. And she goes, because um, you're a kind man. And it seems like you two deserve it. Or something to that effect. But it's like, I have Laura Linney's Fabergé candle holder. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Did, she, did you give it to somebody? Or? Oh, yeah, my partner. Okay, we still good. have it. So. Okay, cool. Isn't that great, though? And also, I like, I like that she knew you were gay. Like, she, the way you said it. Yeah, but in a very, like, respectful yeah. and You should give it to way. him. And I remember one thing. They asked her, what do you watch on TV? And I'll always remember. She said, I watch preachers and infomercials. Because I just think they're psychologically fascinating. Wow. There's something about that. But That's interesting. What a beautiful one. She also watches Downton Abbey because she's always the one narrating yes. it forget, at the beginning. Um, what's the worst thing that's ever gone wrong for you on stage? On stage? Well, <laughs> this was in the Village Variety Pack. I, okay. Do I don't know which story you're going to tell. Um, but. When I took my Miley Cyrus cover, Can't Be Tamed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. You, 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 you were going to bring it to the people. And I had this idea. The billboard charting. Oh, my God. Yeah. I was going to come out and break out of these plastic garbage bags. Right. They were flex garbage bags. I couldn't get out of them. Then I was going to sexy dance on a chair. The chair literally broke. I was going to throw construction paper in the audience like confetti. It stayed in a brick of construction papers and hit that man in the front row. And he just grunted and fell on the floor. He fell on the floor? He did. Oh my god, Michael. And then I had ropes and I was going to do some sort of sexy dance from the ceiling and I brought part of the set down. This is all 90 seconds in while I'm lip syncing. (laughs) And the audience, at first they thought it was serious because it was. And so they were kind of uncomfortable. Then they thought. I didn't realize what a train wreck that was. I remember you coming backstage being like, that wasn't good. But 
I didn't realize it was one thing after another. Oh, I, I injured a person. I broke the set. I hurt myself. So um, you, but you, but you know what? You can't be tanked. You know what? Uh, and everyone in that audience went home and bought that song that night. Yeah, that's so crazy. All, all six of them. It was a small theater. Yes. Oh. What was your lowest point professionally? Lowest point professionally. No exaggeration. TV guides some days were so... I don't know what adjective to use. Tough. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Soul crushing? Yes. Okay. Um, I would go down on Highland and Franklin. There's a little area where they keep giant trash bins. I remember you telling me the story. I would go down and cry behind the trash bin just for like three minutes. And one day I go down there... And there was another grown man crying behind the trash bins. Yeah. And I'm like, you have my trash bin. Yeah, this is my crying... I'm sorry, I don't know. This is my crying spot. Like, do we have to make a schedule? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Monday, Wednesday, Friday? Did you talk to him? Oh, totally. And we, like, laughed a lot. Did he work for the company? He worked on another floor. He worked in um, PR and design. But he worked for the same company. Yeah, so... um, and then you went down there and there was somebody already crying. Crying, That's yeah. something out of a movie. Oh my god, it was incredible. So, yeah, like, that... I just say, well... It wasn't the lowest. I mean, it, it was... It was just like... It's not as bad as poking people in a stick. Yeah. <laughs> it was emblematic of Hollywood. Right. Yeah. It was just gross. Uh, you don't miss it at all. Is there mm-hmm. anything you miss about the business? Do you know what I miss? Uh, it's always hard because I would get to go to the Grammys, the Oscars, American Idol finale, right. all that. It's always, inter- I would say hard, it's interesting to see it on television. Right. Be like, oh, I used to be there, you know? Right. And like my mom will text me, oh, I can still see you on the carpet. Like, and it's not like I missed that. It's right. just, wow. From the Midwest, whoever thought, like, Mark yeah. Anthony would be grabbing your arm and telling and, and you. And ripping you a new asshole. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, what rookie mistakes did you make on your first jobs? On my first... Oh, this was incredible. We had to, uh, for TV Guide Network, decorate the set. And so they gave me a list of things with which I needed to find to decorate the set. Right. I don't know. Some, John Henson had a sketch comedy show on there. Okay. Um, from the Sioux. You yeah, know, I remember TV that Guide. Um, and we're decorating the set. And they give me... You need to find this. And they write it down. M-E-N-U-S. Menus. Well, I read it like Minus. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I, and I didn't know if it was a Hollywood term. I had no idea what a Minus was. And I'm Googling. I'm looking. And finally I go to some uh, one of the producers. They call a meeting. Like, I'm talking like 25 people. Oh, shit. <laughs> they thought it was so funny because they had to tell everyone like mike doesn't know what a menus is oh my god <laughs> and it was just it was just funny because like when i started entertainment like do you know what an epk is uh yeah i do now electronic press kit there's yeah. a lot of like just lingo lingo and they say to you like hey guy just out of college who's here as a temp and making 12 dollars an hour yeah. pull the epk and get 20 second sound ups and i'm like what's an epk like right. so like epk i give myself a little break on right but minus that that was 
That was yeah. a bad one. It, was, it must have been written. They didn't say it to you. Correct. It was written. written. You know, go, 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 get the, go get the Minos for John Henson or whatever. <laughs> oh, oh that's really funny. Yeah. I love that story. Oh. Do you remember my most mortifying moment at the Village Variety Pack? Oh, God. Did it have something to do with dating? Yes. Oh, tell me. Tell me. I told this on a, on a Comedy Couch podcast with Tony years ago, but it's, it's when I think of mortifying and I think of the Village Variety Pack, I think of this. Okay. We were doing the show in the big theater. Because there was a small theater there and the big theater. Sometimes we do do the small and sometimes we do the big. It was either 30 people or Or, 220. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I had just shot the short film Rub Down. And I was editing it or whatever. And I had a crush on one of my actors. I kind of had a crush on both of them, but one in particular. And because it happens when you're working with somebody like that and you're editing them and like you just kind of that can happen and he was hot he he's 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 cool anyway um so i when we would go out in the village variety pack we do little patter parts here and there and mm-hmm. i remember for our patter part i was like oh what am i gonna say this time and i said oh i have a fun tip i can share with the audience so i go to the i go out there and i'm like um oh here's my tip michael i i it's a great little sneaky dating tip I said, I, there's this guy that I like, and I, because he's, he's one of the actors in the short film. I, I told the whole story. And I said, and what I did was I sent an email to him, and I said, hey, everybody, <laughs> I have a free screening of Shutter Island this weekend. If anyone wants to go, let me know. First one to email me back gets the, gets go. the ticket. Yeah. Right. And I only sent a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, isn't that a fun tip? You guys can all use that. And you made a joke and we made a joke and it was on with the show, right? Yeah, yeah. Show finishes. I pause. Yay, great show. I go out into the foyer in the lobby and he's there. Nice. He came to the show. I turn red thinking about it. So this day <laughs> when I think about that moment... I totally told that story in front of the guy that I did it to. Oh in front of a room full God. of people. And I was like, hey, what are you doing? He's like, that was a fun show. I was like, yeah. I was like, shitting my pants. And um, and he's like, so um, what happens now? I was like, well, uh, some of us are going to probably go get a bite to eat if you want to join us. He's like, that sounds good. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? So I go grab Glenn and I'm like... James here, and he wants to go. He's gonna go eat with. Go talk to him. I don't. I just can't believe. I was just like dying. <laughs> and then we, a group of us, went out and ate. And I, um, I just told him that I was really embarrassed. That I didn't know he was there. And he said he was flattered and it was fine. And we liked working together. You know, the working together was so fun. And it was all good. So it was fine. Did he go to Shutter Island? No, he did not. Oh. He did not. Oh, he did not. But I think we went to Eat, Pray, Love together. At one point. Yeah, I remember something. But uh, Jamie is now happily married. Oh. Yeah. So, that's awesome. That's awesome, awesome. Jamie. Yes. No, he's nice. But I do, that, I, if I want to feel the flush of embarrassment, like, like a sense memory feeling like actors would do, I think about walking out in the lobby in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you... I remember when I did the podcast with Tony, he said, that's not that, he didn't, he didn't get the mortification of it. Ah. It's more, it's totally embarrassing. You know, it's like we say in therapy, pain is relative. (laughs) (laughs) I think the same goes for embarrassment. Yeah, I was mortified. But gosh, I love doing the Village Variety Pack. Oh, God. It was good times. Our lives have changed 
so much. much. And yet not at all. I know. Sitting here with you, I feel like we're on that stage in front of three people again. <laughs> in front of all seven of those people. Um, but yeah. All right. Well, Michael, thank you so much. Tell people again about how they can learn more about your um, initiative. Yeah. If they go, anonymous initiative, go to IamAnonymous.org. You can right. check it out there. They can send you a letter if they want. Uh, I would love if they sent That's me letters. Good. They could also... My email's on there. You awesome. Know, research. And all the books and the music and everything that's tied to it is all in there. Correct. It's and so great what you've you, created. You need a therapist? Research me. There you go. <laughs> that's so good. I love it. I may. Actually, I have one, but I may, you know, can never have too many, I, I feel like. All right. I love you, Michael Anthony. Thank you for doing this. And um, I think it's awesome what you've created with uh, all your work and everything. Thanks, Dennis. All right. Bye. Bye, Dakota. Say, no, Dakota's out. Dakota... <laughs> Dakota was like, oh, you're telling that story about the, the Shutter Island story again? <laughs> I love it. Bye. Thanks again to Michael Anthony. You can learn more about the Anonymous Initiative by going to IamAnonymous.org. Uh, another little plug, the Mismatch Game is coming up soon in Los Angeles. It's going to be on August 29th and 30th at the L.A. Gay and Lesbian Center's Renberg Theater. And you can learn more about that at LALGBTCenter.org. And there's also a Facebook page for the mis- for Dennis Hensley's The Mismatch Game, and I'll be posting the info and cast and everything up there. It's a ton of fun. It's 15 bucks. If you've never been before and you're in L.A., you got to come check it out. I would love that. All right. So this happened. Um, Xanadu, the movie, turned 35. And uh, to celebrate, me and some friends went down to Long Beach where they were doing a screening in this cemetery. And um, so we get down there. And it's my friends Doug and John and Danny and I, and then some other friends of ours were there, Mandel and and his crew. Um, So there's an ELO cover band performing before the show, and it's very um, kind of a... It's not like the L.A. Cemetery, which is so big and grassy. This is a little scrappier, but it was really cool. They had an inflatable screen, right? And they have this big band out in front, and they just start playing ELO tunes for like an hour. And they were rehearsing for like, you know a month before to get ready to do this. And um, they had a t-shirt making thing there. You could get a screen print Xanadu shirt for $7. Come on. Uh, of the night. And they make it right in front of you. So I watched them do that for my shirt. And then I posted that on Instagram. And a friend of mine was like, hey, buy me one. So I went back and got another shirt. And they gave it to me for 5 So what I'm saying is Long Beach brings the fun at a bargain price. And um, there's a moment, whenever I see the movie with Danny, which I feel like I've seen it with these same friends about 28 times, and we never get tired of it, and there's a moment where Michael Beck's character, Sonny Malone, is painting, it's in the middle of the movie, and he's like painting in his studio, and Kira, aka Olivia Newton-John, kind of comes in behind him, and she's watching him, but he doesn't know she's there, and Danny (laughs) shouted out, She's behind you! <laughs> like, just, and the uh, the whole place went crazy. I just never get tired of that. His delivery, I've heard him do it before, and it always works, but I think his delivery this time really was just so, uh, it was a 10 out of 10. It was amazing. That movie. And then there was, a few years ago, there was a screening at the Alex Theater in... Glendale and I went and they had live dancers come out in front of the screen and I lost my mind 
and I got to, I befriended some, and then I got to be one of those dancers the next time they did it, like two years later. So I got to dance in front of Xanadu, which was a dream. And it is on YouTube somewhere. Maybe I'll link to it. Um, and then, so the, but the girl that organized it is named Heather, and she's like a diehard fan. And she organized those Alex screenings, and she would write, you know, she would sign the checks. I got paid to dance in this show. And she was there, of course, in, um, at Long Beach. And I was like, Heather! And she remembered my name. She was like, Dennis! I guess if you write, if you write somebody a check, you remember them. And she was like, you know, I want to do that again, but it's really expensive. So I'm going to let, you know, Long Beach can handle the 35. Uh, so anyway, what's the point? The point is there's a cult of Xanadists out there. And their fever is not waning. It's only growing. So you're just going to have to live with them if that is not you. That's my, that's my point. All right, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye!